Hello, and welcome back to Instant Insights. Today, I'll be talking to Steve Blitz, the Chief US Economist at TS Lombard. Steve, it's great to have you back for your fifth appearance now on the podcast on our first of the year. So how are you doing? Good, 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 good. Admittedly, looking not really looking forward to this year. Um, a lot more questions than answers, and we're all not sure that we're going to like the answers that we get that we have a year from now. But anyway, we'll just have to soldier on, as they say. Yeah. Um, the one thing we can be sure about is that nothing will work out as we expect. That's for sure. There's, there's so many elections this year, so who knows what world we're going to be in this time next year. So speaking of sort of global affairs, um, we're not going to start with the US today for once. Um, recently, that the UK and Japan announced that they were in a recession. Um, how worried do you think these countries should be? And how do you think the US managed to defy this and, and hasn't been plunged into a recession yet? Well, I think the UK and Japan are very different places. I think the Japanese economy is an economy that is struggling to grow through its corporate sector, a very a very strong corporate sector. It has strong banks, um, but basically trying to get from here to there um, with a shrinking population. And so it, 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 it has to rely on a corporate sector using technology, using labor and capital elsewhere in the world to sell its goods, to bring income back into, into Japan. Um, Britain, you know, it's a less vibrant economy, right? It, it, I mean, it's certainly a vibrant financial sector. Uh, and then uh, at the same time, it's uh, uh, dealing with Brexit and the fallout from that. And, uh, and, and with that, layer on top of that is the inflation and the high real rates in order to bring the inflation down and obviously a weakening economy. Um, it's not so clear what the path of recovery is for uh for england it really isn't mm. thank you see that's really interesting um especially with that it sort of really makes sense so thank you uh for explaining that so well i just want to go back to the u.s do you think the u.s is safe from recession now do you think it's weathered the storm um I mean, a lot of analysts were saying that the U.S. would be in a recession last year and it never quite seemed to happen. Do you think that, yeah, do you think they're out of the woods yet? Well, I think, you know, recession will eventually happen, right? So to say you're out of the woods, um, I think the issue a year ago and the economy was slowing in that direction and then the Fed shifted, Treasury shifted. We don't have to go back and go through that. But that slowdown was really a question of whether or not post the COVID reopening and then the sudden stop of all that fiscal stimulus, the economy did slow down, right? It went from, I don't know what the, the growth was last year, say it was 3% year over year in real terms. I mean, it was in 2021, it was you know 7%. So the economy, the growth of the economy slowed a lot, right? And so they, the thought was that in that slowdown with, at the same time, an increase in the cost of financing and the big dynamic sectors of the economy that expanded in the teens, 
namely tech, and then the financial ecosphere, so to speak, that, that supplied funding to tech, uh, all grew on a zero cost of funding world. So for them, it wasn't so much whether or not real interest rates were high enough. For them, it was the fact that interest rates nominally were now positive, right, as opposed to being zero. And you did see disruptions. You continue to see disruptions um, over the last year or so in terms of employment, in terms of firms shutting, uh, but it hasn't seemed to have any big effect, right? And you also have the overhang of commercial real estate because just like in London, all the major cities, people aren't commuting back to these and using these um, these these office buildings extent they did. Now, it's a longer term problem as opposed to a sh acute problem. Um, but it's, you know, these buildings have to finance themselves and, and roll over financing and the financing based on the what were very cheap mortgage cheap interest rates before now rates are more expensive, but also uh, the usage is different and the expectation of the return on that property is lower. So, right. And uh, there's a lot of cash. You're at full employment. And yes, nominal wage growth is slowed, but inflation has slowed more. So real wage growth is now positive, whereas real wage growth a year or so ago was negative. So if I have everybody working and real wages are positive, it's very different. And uh, if I look at asset liability ratios on household balance sheets for all uh, wealth cohorts, they haven't been this good since the 1990s. I would argue that there's always a recession in sight, but it's not a recession in sight because of the slowdown from peak demand, you know, and everybody gearing for peak demand that we had, you know, in 2021, but it's more of a more traditional type of a recession that will get created because the Fed is uh, created one, the economy's slowing down and uh, the Fed will have to cut. And, uh, you know, the right now real rates are high enough and the real interest rate curve is now inverted, and that usually signals a recession in about you know anywhere from nine to twelve months down the road. So we're talking late this year, early next year, and probably see a slowdown growth in the second half of the year. Mm. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I know that was a long answer, <laughs> short question, but you know, uh, yeah, it was interesting explaining sort of how uh, the U.S. sort of managed to sidestep it while countries like. You, the UK and Japan didn't. So yeah, thank you for clearing up. That was really interesting. Um, and sort of while we're on the topic of interest rates and the Fed, um, there was a report in the FT recently that Trump, if he was to get into power, he said he would, would like to get rid of Jerome Powell. And it seems like the Fed is becoming more and more of a political issue. Um, so do you think the current interest rates and potential rises, cuts, uh, are going to play a role in the next election, um, as we have about nine months to go. I think the Fed is trying very hard for it not to be, right? And um, look, the conduct of monetary and fiscal policy is always fair game. Uh, traditionally, you don't put the Fed chair as 
centerpiece of your campaign. But since what is Trump normal that way? Uh, and let's just let's remember that he put Powell in that seat. The fact is that you can't remove a Fed chair uh, unless, you know, had a hand in the cookie jar, so to speak, right? Um, so unless you did something illegal, um, you can't you can't remove him. Now, might he choose to resign? We'll see. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. I don't know. Only he knows that answer, and I know he does not like Trump, that I know for a fact. He's also not particularly enamored with Biden either. Uh, I think you know, the lesser of two evils, I think, from his perspective, uh, he'd, he'd prefer Biden to Trump. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you, Steve. Um, while we're sort of on that topic, uh, I have like a final quick fire question. Um, you've sort of answered it already, but just to summarise, uh, when we have next month's FOMC meeting, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, nothing. Um, I think the only thing we're going to get out of that meeting is an idea of their plan for how they're going to taper uh, their um, shrinkage of the balance sheet, QT. Okay, amazing. So uh, there we have it. To summarize, expect very little in the next FOMC meeting, but uh, keep an eye out for these economic potential economic surprises in the run-up to election day. So yeah, thank you very much, Steve, for those instant insights. And from us at Global Data Thematic Intelligence, goodbye, and we'll see you next time.